0: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to Tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Right there, right there. What Billy up?
2: This is the game. It's a uh, cat and mouse. Smoked a turkey.
1: He is down. He is freaking down. Said he shot an absolute giant. Fall Obsession, baby. Welcome back, everybody, to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. I am your host for this week's episode, Sam Thrash, and we have a special guest joining us um, this week on the podcast. Um, She is a very successful and passionate turkey hunter and a guide for the National Wild Turkey Federation, Miss Courtney Carroll. Courtney, welcome to Fall Obsession podcast.
2: Thank you very much for having me
1: we're, we're happy to have you. Um, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to, to come on board.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: So Courtney, before, before we kind of get, I know we want to talk some turkey hunting here, um, this evening, but before we, before we get into, um, kind of the meat of the discussion, if you wouldn't mind, kind of give our listeners a little, a little background, um, on yourself, kind of, um, what your experience as a hunter has consisted of and, and where your passion for turkey hunting came from.
2: Yes, sir. So actually, um, I grew up basically as a, a deer hunter. Um, cause my dad is a diehard deer hunter, so he raised me raised me right. Deer hunting and dog hunting is how we grew up here in Florida. Um, so I don't know if you guys do the dog hunting stuff there in Texas. Do you guys do that?
1: Uh, we we got some guys that uh, that do it, but I, I guarantee you, it's not as prominent as, as it is down there. We primarily do it with hogs and. And that kind of thing down here would be probably where it's most seen, I would say.
2: Gotcha. Um, So, yeah, we we grew up dog hunting. And then um, once I got old enough, I started still hunting with my dad. Um, Killed my first deer at around 13. It was a spike. um, And I loved it ever since. I was hooked on deer hunting. (laughs) And I loved the chase. Absolutely. I started bow hunting when I was around 16 um, and that was actually a wildlife management area buck and it was five points. That was a pretty good first bow kill and fell in love with bow hunting ever since. Um, so that's basically my background as a hunter and then I've done a little bit of duck hunting um, Didn't really get into that too much because I don't really have a boat to duck hunt out of. Um, (laughs) It's a little difficult walking in waders and doing it by yourself. Um, And then I have killed a few hogs as well. Um, As far as turkey hunting goes, I only started turkey hunting about four to five years ago. And I basically got into that. Um, I met my friend Tommy through a hunting club that I was a member of. And he basically took me under his wing and he basically showed me all of the ropes of turkey hunting. Um, Because like I said, my dad was never really big into turkey hunting. Um, So I had to basically learn through someone else, which isn't a bad, bad way to do it. Um, So that's how I got into turkey hunting, basically. Awesome.
1: We uh we like hearing that that people had a a mentor figure to, to kind of bring it up bring them up and then obviously learn by by trial and error. That's uh that's also a sometimes a frustrating but a very effective way uh, of learning certain things about hunting as well. So,
2: mm-hmm. and unlike deer hunting, um, like what I was used to, sitting in tree stand, being patient and waiting um i found that i'm not only able to call in a turkey but i'm also able to go to them if they're responding so from that aspect i fell in love with the chase of chasing those birds and hearing them gobble 80 yards away knowing he's coming to you um against nature is just such a special experience
1: Oh, it, it is. It's amazing hearing that first that first gobble, responding back to your call is. It's uh, it sends chills down your back sometimes. It's it's an awesome feeling.
2: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and
1: and I know we have some guys we have some guys here. Uh, one of them I was just talking to him about some turkey hunting the other day, and and he made the comment on how he loves he loves spring turkey hunting, and he loves the like you're talking about the chase of it all. Um, and he looks at it as a smaller version of elk hunting. Almost he, he's, Mm -hmm. he's a, he has the dream of going and killing an elk one day. And he says that Turkey hunting, um, helps him kind of tide that over because he, he feels like it's a similar experience. So it's, uh, it's awesome.
2: (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. I've always wanted to get into elk hunting as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, so you are a, a guide as well, um, for the NTWF, is that correct?
2: Yes, sir. So, not exactly. Um, So, when I think of a guide, I think of an outfitter where you have a client who pays to harvest an animal. Um, However, that's not exactly what I do. Okay. So, um, again, my friend Tommy told me um, how he was involved with this chapter through NWTF, and he asked me if I was interested in guiding. Um, So there, they were short on guides that year um so tommy which i was new in turkey hunting so i was a little reserved on that but he reassured me that the hunters um would have little to no hunting experience and they would have no idea if i messed up my calling or whatever the case may be (laughs) so that made me a little more confident and i did kind of know what i was doing i had by then i had called in by myself two birds which i was using my grandpa's old box call so i really didn't know what i was doing but turkeys really don't care <laughs> <laughs> um so basically the nwtf um they have different chapters and the chapter that i volunteer for are the gator gobblers so basically this chapter raises money through events and banquets that we do um for nwtf to support conversation conservation and to preserve our hunting heritage um so basically we host some of the largest youth hunts we take up to around 26 or 28 youth youths every year um and we host two different hunts for both deer and turkey um as well as women hunts as well we don't have as many women um just yet but we have around six every year So that's pretty, pretty cool to get the women in there as well. And again, these hunters have little to no hunting experience. So the youth will range from 10 to 17 years old and then women any age, basically. And the property that we're able to hunt, um, we get permission from certain landowners or management areas that have literally never been hunted. So it's some of the best property it is. Prime, And it's awesome that they let us do this for, for these youths and women. It's awesome.
1: That is amazing. And, and especially that you're able to, to take people out, not, not only the the fact that you're able to, to bring them in the woods and, and share that hunting experience with them, but the fact that you're, I don't want to say guaranteed success, but, but the fact that there's a good chance that they're actually going to experience a successful hunt is, is awesome. That, that's, that's amazing.
2: Definitely. So As a guide, basically, you're teaching them gun safety, shoot, don't shoot, um, blood trailing. If we're turkey hunting, um, showing them, okay, these are strut marks in the road. This is what you need to look for. Um, Turkey feathers, certain types of turkey feathers will tell you if it's a gobbler or if it's a hen. So we try and teach them a lot, even if they don't harvest anything, so that they can at least take away something. I remember, like I said My first hunt that I um, volunteered for, I wasn't super confident. Again, I was using an easy box call. It was a good beginner tool. So I took this little girl. Her name was Daisy, and I took her, and her father was there with us. And I remember we were sitting in this spot. We hadn't heard anything all morning. And so we moved, and I was like, okay, well, this looks like a decent spot. And we sat down, and I just call every – Um, Tommy had taught me to to call every 10 minutes, because you don't want to call too much, especially if you're not really hearing anything, and then what do you know, we have two long beards show up, and they're coming straight towards us. They popped up out of nowhere, no sounds, nothing, and unfortunately, she couldn't get her gun up in time, and they happened to see us, but that was just, like, the best experience for her, that she even got to see that, and they were maybe 30 yards away and she just had the best time yeah
1: that is awesome Mm -hmm. so have you done any guiding so far this turkey season
2: so actually over the years that I've become more confident because I've been doing that um guiding with the NWTF for about four years now Mm -hmm. um just with the turkey hunting and so I've become more confident and I actually have figured out how the birds work on that property because they have me hunting the same property every year so I took a young lady her name was Aurora about I think it was my second year out there and we set up in a clear cut and we ended up having three birds come in the first bird she couldn't really get a shot on him and so then we had two come in she shot the first one, and he dropped right there, and the second one started to get on top of that dead bird and attack him. <laughs> so I told her, I said, shoot the other bird. <laughs> so she shot the other bird. She tagged out in Florida, because you can only get two, two birds in Florida. Oh, okay. And she was done for the weekend. That was her first bird ever, and her second bird, and she got a double.
1: That is was- awesome.
2: It was pretty cool. Um, So since I was basically done with my hunter for that day, I think that was open in morning that we hunted that property um, for that youth hunt. They had me take another lady. She was a little bit older lady. Um, Her name was Mary, but she was a little handicapped, actually. She was legally blind, so with her shotgun, she had to have a scope on it. Okay. So she really couldn't see unless she had um, really intense glasses on and she couldn't wear those while she was hunting. So she ended up getting a bird also that next day, same spot. So that was pretty cool. Um, I got to see three birds die in two days.
1: (laughs) That is awesome. That's a great way to start the season right there.
2: Definitely. And then this past youth hunt. Luckily, we got it in right before the whole quarantine situation, Um, but I took this young lady. Her name was Elena. She had only been turkey hunting maybe once or twice, so I took her and her dad, and she got a double as well, and she was just ecstatic about that.
1: Wow. Sounds like a a heck of a year running out of the gate. That's awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is a very prime hunting spot, I'm telling you.
1: (laughs) Uh, It sounds like. Very, very awesome. So those, yeah. those turkeys, they were killing, I, I guess those were, those were Easterns.
2: Technically by the book, I think they're considered where we're located. They're considered Osceola's. Oh, okay. But their feathers to me look like a mixture of Osceola and Easterns just because we're so far North Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, we're basically hunting just below Jacksonville area. Um, and then a little more central.
0: Gotcha.
1: Okay. Yes, yeah, sir. So you're, you you uh, you have both Easterns and Osceolas out there in Florida, correct?
2: Easterns are basically going to be the Panhandle area, almost Georgia. Okay. Majority of everything else in Florida is going to be Osceola or a mixture.
1: Do you notice any kind of? Because I'm assuming you've hunted, you've hunted both, correct? Yes. Do mm-hmm. Do you notice any kind of? Behavior differences between the two, or do you, do you have to hunt them either way? Because cause here in Texas, we mostly have just Rios, and, and my experience is limited to Rios. I, I have never attempted to chase another species of turkey, so I'm a little curious about that.
2: Yeah, honestly, I have from what I've heard is that osceolas are a little more difficult because they're a little more aware of their surroundings and they don't gobble as much hmm. um, compared to easterns. Um, that's just what I've heard. Now, I have gone up to Georgia and hunted Easterns as well. And honestly, I feel like it just depends on the bird. I have heard Osceola's gobble more than Easterns, so I, I really can't tell you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I can see that. Just just behavior on the bird. You get some that are some that are stubborn and some that are more than willing to willing more than willing to play along. Excuse me. <laughs>
2: Definitely. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, have you gotten to do any turkey hunting yourself this season?
2: Yes, very little because I happened to tag out within the first week. So, <laughs> I, I cut my hunting season short. <laughs> so, not only with the youth hunt, thank goodness I got to do that. Um, so, that was a good little starting weekend. But I also, opening morning, I actually had a wildlife management area permit that I wanted to hunt and I planned on taking my mom to get her on a bird um so we we got on I think we we heard around three that morning she had one come in and it was probably a little too close for her to shoot but she missed him so we ended up leaving that morning and I was like you know what if you're done for the day i'm gonna go ahead and go to my private property and try and go kill a bird there you go so i it was around 10:30 and i went to this one piece property where i kind of knew where a bird was hanging out and i pull up and as i'm pulling in the gate i see him across the road and i was like well crap <laughs> <laughs> I, I just spooked my bird <laughs> and it was about 11 o'clock in the afternoon so I pull up the road, and I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll set up in this three-way. He may have not gone too far. So I set up my strutter decoy and the hand, and I'm just sitting there, and I call. And maybe 10 minutes has gone by, and I'm sitting there on my phone. <laughs> and next thing I know, I hear I hear that that drum. Mm-hmm. That ch- and I was just like okay that sounded very familiar where did that come from so i look up and there he is in full strut to my left and he's coming in slowly to the decoys and luckily i was ready which this is my motto stay ready so you don't have to get ready because that's
1: a good one right there
2: yeah when you're turkey hunting they they will pop up on you so you got to be ready at all times um especially afternoon hunts because they're quiet they won't gobble so he came in perfect, killed him right there ten minute hunt. It was awesome
1: <laughs> Wow that's awesome.
2: <laughs> it really doesn't work like that very often, but when it does it seems like it was too quick it was too easy. <laughs> how,
1: how big was he?
2: um let's see. I think he had about ten and a half inch beard uh three fourth in inch spurs that's a good he wasn't bird. he was he was all right yeah, yeah.
1: very respectable bird
2: mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. Oh, cause I still had that management area permit for the rest of the weekend. Again, I took my mom a couple more times and we didn't have any more luck hearing any more birds in that spot. So I went, I think it was a Monday afternoon and I knew that there was birds down in that bottom cause they were roosting down there. So I knew that I, if I sat there long enough. I would have one at least eventually walk by me Mm -hmm. to go roost there. So that's what we did. We got there around, I'd say around 2.30 or 3 o'clock. And um, again, had my strutter decoy out in the road. I like hunting roads a lot just because it's a good open area. Oh, yeah. And then also had my hen out. So called, um, waited another 10 minutes. Called again, waited another 10 minutes. And then... All of a sudden, this long beard comes down the road, and I have never seen a turkey come in so quickly in my life. He was sprinting towards that strutter decoy wanting to come and beat him up. Oh, wow. It was crazy, so I at first, I didn't have a shot at him because there was bushes right there, and he was only maybe twenty fifteen yards away, and then finally, all I saw was his red head and shot, and honestly, I thought I missed him. <laughs> because <laughs> there was no flopping no noise no nothing and I was like oh my gosh I just missed this bird how did that even happen he was only 15 yards away and then got up and saw he was he was just laying right there I just knocked him out
1: right there <laughs> yeah wow that's impressive
2: <laughs> thank you so yeah my hunt um, I was tagged out in three days unfortunately
1: <laughs> well i, I, I... I've been there, where and not in a turkey hunting sense, but at least from the deer hunting perspective, where you you tag out quickly early in the season, and mm-hmm. you know it's always you're always like, man, I'm I'm done, I'm not hunting anymore. And but on the flip side, it's like, well, if I hadn't taken that opportunity, you know, there's there's no guarantee of another one. So exactly,
2: you know, it, it's
1: bittersweet for sure. So I've heard you I've heard you talking uh, kind of just in passing here about um, the management tags and then the the two bird limit. Can you explain to us just a little bit about how the how the turkey licensing in the state of Florida works?
2: Yes. So um, in the state of Florida, basically, if you buy a hunting license, you also have to get a turkey permit. We don't really have tags for our turkeys, which I think you guys do in other states. From what I've heard as well in Kentucky, you have a tag for a turkey, but yeah. we really don't have tags. So basically, you just have a quota. So you are allowed... For the fall season, you get two turkeys. And then for the spring season, you get two as well. Um, And this can be daily bag limit or total season bag limit. So you can get two in the fall and then two in the spring as well. So you can get a total of four if you would like. But fall turkeys aren't as fun to hunt here. They're not really gobbling and stuff like that, like they are in the spring. Yeah. And then what was your other question?
1: Oh, I, I was just curious about, you mentioned a, a management tag or a management permit as well. Um, okay. Is that just referring to the lamb that you were hunting, or is that in refer, reference to a bird?
2: Yeah, so we have um, management areas here, which are managed by the state, and you can put in basically like a drawing through our Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. They do drawings for what we call quota hunts, and so basically... Um, for the management area that I hunt, let's see, they have about, let's say, five different hunts starting from opening weekend up until the weekend that it closes. This is both for deer and turkeys. They gotcha. do the quota hunts. So if you draw that permit, it's for a specific weekend that you can hunt it, basically. Or sometimes it's over a weekend. It, it can be two weeks. And you're allowed a specific number of whether it's deer or turkey, I know you're only allowed one turkey on the management area that I hunt.
0: Gotcha. Um,
2: unless you have a guest with you, then you can each get one as well. Gotcha. So that's the quota hunt thing on the management areas.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. it's it's a lot. I, I find the more that I talk to people, um, in their respective States that, that Texas is just kind of kind of laid back and unique you, you, you buy a hunting license and get four tags and use them whenever you want and that's <laughs> that's just kind of it <laughs> so yeah I'm always curious about what uh how it works in other people's uh home states and the, the licensing and everything so
2: yeah everything's definitely different for sure
1: oh yeah so I got a I got a few kind of more turkey hunting tactic related questions that uh okay. that I kind of want to run by you here um the first one being uh, when you when you're calling you got a gobbler that's answering responding but and responding but he's kind of hanging up just out of out of shooting range um what are you going to do in that situation to to try and seal the deal
2: So basically it depends on a couple of things. One does he have hens with him? Probably. Yeah. So if it's early season um, I would basically focus on calling in those hens with just like a location Yelp. See if you can get the hens to come to you. Cause he's going to follow them. Mm-hmm. If it's later in the season, um, you basically need to get in front of their path of wherever they're going. So you basically need to know where they're traveling every day because you're not going to be able to call him off the hens. And I doubt you're going to be able to call the hens to, to you or like I did, early season um you can come back midday because he's basically already gonna have bred all of his hens and he's gonna be looking for another hen gotcha yeah
1: so do you do you primarily do you bow hunt turkeys or you them with a shotgun or both what, what's your preference
2: i would actually love to get into bow hunting turkeys i have shot one with a bow but it was while i was deer hunting so that was during the <laughs> fall <laughs> so i mean I would love to, however, I still get just as much fun out of it with a shotgun and it hasn't gotten too easy for me yet.
1: (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yes. What, uh, What kind of shotgun load do you prefer for turkey hunting?
2: Oh gosh. Honestly, I am very old school. I shoot basically anything. Like I shoot my Remington 1100 modified choke. And most people will look at me like I'm crazy for shooting that <laughs> at turkeys because I can only shoot maybe 30 yards, 40, 40 yards max.
1: <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, like you said, nothing wrong with, with going old school. And then uh, also just – I think it adds to the challenge too of, you know, get, getting them in closer and, uh, and and making it all happen, sealing the deal at a shorter range for sure. So
2: Yeah. Yeah, I just – shoot, um, also Remington number fours as well, turkey okay. load.
1: Gotcha. So I know you referenced that, um, in one of your hunts, you were using, um, some decoys and I was going to ask, when do you feel it's better to use a, a gobbler versus a hen decoy or, or what kind of decoys would you utilize in, in certain situations?
2: Yeah. So that is the question of, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Either do I even bring decoys or do I bring everything that I have? I have had a ton of luck with, I named him Jacob, is my Jake decoy and I actually made it. Very fitting. <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically it is a half strutter, um, I think is a gobstopper that I bought for maybe 20 bucks. Um, so it's a cheap little decoy and I basically cut a slit through the backside Um, And I just stuck a tail feather in there from one of the birds that I killed. There you go. And I've been using that turkey decoy for probably a good three years now. And every time I use that that decoy out, it has gobblers wanting to come fight him for some reason. So I have always been biased to that. Absolutely. Um, Even if it's just that, it doesn't even have to be a hen. But I've also had luck with no decoys as well, just because they're wanting to come up and figure out where you are. But then that also has a downside, because if you're not using decoys, they're coming up looking for movement. Mm-hmm. And if you're moving, that's the first thing they're going to see. Yeah. Now, if you do have decoys, they're going to be staring at the decoys. And then I also had a situation, it was actually this year with my mom trying to get her on a bird. And I had both of those decoys out, the strutter and my hen. And he came in, he saw the decoys, turned around and left. He just saw something he didn't like and he did not like it. Oh. So, I mean, it can go both ways. It right. just honestly depends on the bird, how much he's been hunted. If it's public land, you might want to not use decoys because they may have seen decoys before. Um, if it's private property they could have very well they may like the decoys as well if it's private property so it honestly just depends on the situation
1: so i'm glad you mentioned the the public land because that kind of that is a good segue into um my next question talking about you know them seeing decoys all the time and, and might not react the same um and that is if if you're hunting an area that is uh has more pressure on the turkeys than than most and they're they're harder to kill are, are you mm-hmm. gonna change your tactics at all are you gonna are you gonna try to mix something up or or do anything differently to, to get that done
2: to be honest no unless they have put the slip on me basically mm-hmm. if for some reason they see my decoys and they don't like them then I'll get back on them the next day with no decoys and just use a different call I'll sound different so they know it's not not me basically it's right. not the same bird they saw yesterday
1: yeah that, that's uh, that's good advice right there what uh what kind of turkey calls do you prefer do you have a preference or do you have a have a wide selection
2: for, I mean for beginners box calls are awesome there are some high dollar box calls that you can buy and they're legit I personally love slates so I have like three or four different <laughs> slates right now. I would love to learn how to use a mouth call. However, I have not gotten the hang of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a a mouth call is challenging. I I actually, I I just started playing around a little bit more seriously with mouth calls this year for the first time, and it sounds absolutely horrible, but I've I've (laughs) at least figured out how to make some noise come out finally, so I feel like I'm making progress, but (laughs) the diaphragm calls and everything are challenging, that's for sure.
2: (laughs) Definitely, yeah.
1: So Courtney, we're, we've been, talked about some tactics and and some stuff like that. Um, I, I know you have to have some some good memories that come with uh, with the years of turkey hunting that you've had um, and some good experiences. So if, tell us about some uh, some memorable hunts that you've had um, out there in the turkey woods and kind of how it has fueled your your passion for um, spring turkey hunting.
2: Yeah, definitely. I remember one hunt specifically. It was almost Two years ago, I was taking my mom for her first time hunting, period. She did not grow up hunting like I did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I finally convinced her to kill a turkey. And she was down. She was like, okay, they're not cute, so I can probably do it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Deer, she will stay away from turkeys. She's into. Um, (laughs) So we were hunting, and it was actually my cousin's backyard. So, it was maybe an acre, and there's pine trees all right there that turkeys love to roost in, mm. and there's a swamp in the back. Oh, nice. Um, and it's surrounded by fences. So, if they're not roosted there, I'm kind of in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, um, I had had some luck earlier that That weekend, um, I got my dad on a double, that same spot. So I was like, okay, mom, we're going to put you on turkeys here. The roost right here is going to be the perfect setup. So we had one gobble, but he sounded like he was a little too far. And what do you know? He pops up on the other side of the fence. And I was like, well, sorry, mom. We're just going to have to sit here and watch him because he's not coming over the fence. It's not going to happen. The turkeys don't do that. Yeah at least not here (laughs) (laughs) so we're sitting there and i'm sitting there on my phone just getting ready to video him across the fence he's only maybe 40 yards and i have my strutter decoy in the hand out in the backyard and then all of a sudden i hear wings flap and i look over to where the bird was and he's standing on top of the fence oh man next thing i know he flies down and he's coming straight towards the decoys in full full i said okay mom just kidding get ready (laughs) she she was so ready and that bird came in perfectly he came right around the decoys and she dropped him right there it was it was a memorable hunt because of the fence like i have never heard of that happening yeah and and i've hunted that property before myself i've had birds hang up right there I have tried everything that I can possibly do to get them to come over the fence and it has not happened for me. However, she got lucky that day.
1: She, she got the lucky bird, huh? (laughs) Definitely. That's awesome.
2: (laughs) Yes. And then another thing, like I was talking about those midday hunts Mm -hmm. um, earlier this year, that was totally luck. I've never had a hunt happen that quickly midday, which I was never really a fan of midday hunts just because i don't like the silence i like knowing when a bird's coming to me oh yeah so another one was in georgia that was very similar to that um i went with my friend matt and we got um uh, we called he called me in a turkey or an eastern on some private property out there in georgia so i killed that one early we killed him about eight or nine and then he's like, All right, let's run over to this other piece of property and we might be able to get an afternoon bird. So we pull up to the spot where it kind of looks decent. There's strut marks all in the road and we just sat there and I was calling every ten minutes again. And about the third third sequence, we're literally laying in some short pines with no cover Mm. and we're just looking towards the road. And I hear that that strut again. I hear that yeah. noise. And I was like, okay, if I hear that, he is close. So <laughs> I literally heard it behind me. Oh. And I, I told Matt, I whispered to him, I said, don't move. I think I just heard him blow up. So what do I see in the, out of the corner of my eye is this bird is walking 10 foot from me. And our decoys are out in front of us. And he's walking directly past us out into the decoys. I was so afraid that he was going to see us because we had zero cover. Thank goodness we were still, I don't know if that's one of the Georgia characteristics that we were talking about earlier. Right. Where they're not as aware Uh of you if you're not moving. I don't know. But that bird, thank goodness Matt got a shot off at him because he had a 14-inch beard.
1: That is a stud.
2: It was a stud, um, and that was another midday hunt that was awesome.
1: Man, I think so many people, whether it's turkey hunting or, or deer hunting, take those midday hunts for granted. There, there is a, a ton of success stories, and I'm glad you have some um, mm-hmm. from those midday hunts. Uh, I, I think that more people need to put forth an effort to be out there at that time than than they do just for morning and evening. So I'm glad that I'm Definitely. glad you got some success stories from that for sure.
2: Yeah, even if you have to sit there and take a nap, take a nap, wake up. I bet you the bird's going to be standing there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Makes for a good story for sure.
2: (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And then I think I've told you probably most of the doubles that I just mentioned um, that I've seen occur, Um, but 2018, so two years ago, was probably the best turkey season I've ever had i saw 11 turkeys die myself that's awesome and yeah most of them i called in and let me tell you i am not the best turkey caller but the turkeys don't care if it sounds similar to a turkey (laughs) and they're in close range you, you have a pretty good chance
1: well, I know that there's some guys that I hunt with that'll be very happy to hear you say that <laughs> because yes. they're, they're, turkey hunting skills and I'll, and I'll, I don't care. I'll bash them. They, they need work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mess up all the time. I mean, if you think about it, turkeys in the woods mess up. Yeah. So they're, they're not perfect.
1: No, I bet. Very true. Very good point for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So some awesome stories you have, but I want I want to loop it back around kind of to your your passion for turkey hunting and how all all of these stories that you have and haven't told us, how they have influenced that and, and affected affected you.
2: Yeah, so um, all in all, I turkey hunt about the same way that I deer hunt in the sense that nothing goes to waste. Um, my family and I do eat everything that I harvest, and turkey is delicious. Um, yes, <laughs> I is. also <laughs> – I also believe that God intended us to take advantage of these resources, not only for sport, but also for food as well. So if you read in the Bible in Genesis 9-3, it says, Every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. And then again in Genesis 27-3, it says, now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. So if that doesn't tell you something right there, then I don't know what does. I could that, more. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, hunting is definitely something that I'm passionate about, and I'm definitely addicted to the chase as well.
1: All, all these experiences, and we actually... Um... I was recording with, uh, with some of our other guys just a few days ago and, and we were talking about, um, good and bad hunting experiences and how good, bad, ugly, everything in between,
2: how mm-hmm. all
1: of it fuels our passion, how all of it fuels our drive. Because when we're not successful, when we have a bad hunt, when we make a bad shot, it just want it makes us want to come back for more. It makes us want to, um, get back out there and try again. And and I don't know of a whole lot of other things that, at least in my experience, that are that are gonna do that for you. So.
2: Yeah, it's a learning experience every time you go out in the woods.
1: Yes, it is. It doesn't matter how how much experience you have, how many years you've been doing it. You learn something every season, every hunt, in my opinion.
2: Mhm, I totally agree.
1: So a lot of good stuff, Courtney. And kind of, I know we're uh, we're cutting it, getting into our time here. But um, before we wrap it up, I got a few things that I wanted to to ask you i know you've you've mentioned a lot of um good hunting memories but i want we, we like to ask guests on our show um what your favorite hunting memory of, of all time it can be deer turkey or, or anything w- what that might be and, and you may have already told us that story but um, we wanted to ask you that
2: that is a tough one gosh <laughs> hmm i don't know if there's there's just too too many i guess <laughs>
1: that's not a that's not a bad problem to have
2: (laughs) no um i guess more recently i shot my biggest buck this year a lot of people will will downplay it um because it was on a trophy hunt area so it was a high fenced area but that is it's not exactly what most people feel is hunting like it's it's a real hunting situation basically
1: you have to work for it they don't they don't already have everything picked out for you that that kind of deal i guess
2: definitely and it's not like you go there and you kill right away it's not i had to go there a couple weekends actually and i was lucky enough that he was able to let me shoot the coal buck and the coal buck ended up being 164 inches (laughs)
1: <laughs> wow that is so, one heck of a cold buck
2: <laughs> definitely so that is definitely one that's going on my wall so that was a very memorable hunt but turkey wise the one that really stands out that i didn't mention earlier mostly because we didn't harvest but there was a young man that i took his name was seth um for our youth hunt and he had never turkey hunted i don't think he had he even deer hunted in his life. So this was his first time hunting period. And we didn't really have too much luck getting on a bird first thing in the morning. We heard a ton of gobbles, but they just ended up going off with the hens. So we stuck right there where I knew they would come back to feed later down in the bottom. And we were sitting there and we weren't hearing too much. It was in the afternoon. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity to show him how to use this slate call. So I gave him one of my glass slates and I had the other one and I was like, okay, so this is how you hold it. This is how you do it. So he he was he was working it and it was sounding horrible and <laughs> I was I was trying to teach him how to do it correctly and then all of a sudden we heard a gobble. <laughs> he was He was calling in a turkey. So I was like, okay, give me that call back. We're getting set up. <laughs> This turkey might actually come in. So I ended up, um, or that turkey, we actually had two come in, maybe 10 minutes after that. And he didn't end up getting a shot at him. I don't know if he got too nervous, but he just wouldn't take the shot. And they saw us and they took off. But um, he, I ended up giving him that slight call. Um, it wasn't worth too much to me. It was maybe a $20 call. Um, But I told him, I was just like, you need to practice with this. And next time I see you, you better know how to use it. (laughs) (laughs) And so he actually had it engraved. And it said, to Seth from Courtney. And that just like totally touched my heart that he wanted to do that. And it meant so much to him and that he just had such a good time. So I was so happy that I made a little impression on him
1: absolutely yeah Uh, and and i love hearing stories where where somebody's favorite memory um has to do with with them doing something for somebody else in in Mm -hmm. in a hunting perspective and and just from my own experience like um just as an example i i grew up hunting with my dad and the older i got you know as when i was a child and then in my teen years you know the more we started hunting apart you know, and, and not being able to share that time in the blind and, and recently in adulthood, we have gotten to start hunting together again, like we did mm-hmm. in those very first days. And those are some of the most special hunts that I've ever had, um, is just being able to, to share that experience with him once again and, uh, and kind of reminisce back to, to what it was like when I first started. So I, I love hearing stories when, when other people are, are, uh, their favorite memory, like I said, is with, is with somebody else out there. That, that's awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I feel like I get more nervous when they're shooting and I'm shooting
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah at times that's that's very true so I'm going to circle it back around real quick because I, I was going to ask you about that buck that that you mentioned I know it's not on the topic of turkey hunting but I remember yeah. I remember seeing a picture of that deer on on social media His very impressive buck um, thank you you said it was your it was your biggest buck ever tell, tell us about tell us about that hunt I want to hear about that hunt and and how it all went down
2: yeah, so basically, um, the guy who owns Silverstone Trophy White Sales, he's a good friend of mine. I actually met him fishing. And so he asked me to come out there and kill a couple coal bucks. And this was basically after the season ended. So on those properties, you're allowed to hunt, I believe, up until February, which is after Florida season ends. And I was like, yeah, sure. I was just thinking it was going to be like, totally like small, messed up little buck. <laughs> and I mean, that's meat in the freezer to yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I was totally down. So Broughtman 3030, and um, he has this box blind set up over a food plot. And it's basically, I forget how many acres he has, but it's a huge piece of property. And basically they're all free range in that fenced area. Um, he doesn't have any feeding stations or anything like that other than the food plot um, in front of the tree stand. Gotcha. And so we go and we sit in this box blind, and it's an afternoon hunt. For some reason, he didn't like um, hunting, hunting in the mornings. I don't, I'm don't, i not sure why, but mornings would have probably been better. So first afternoon hunt, we had one little buck come out, and he said, no, that's not the coal buck. You can't shoot him. And I was like, okay. Um, so second hunt. Same situation happened. All the deer started coming out after dark. And I was like, well, dang. It's probably too late in the season. It's a little warm. The deer are coming out after dark. So I doubt I'm going to get a shot at one. So I think it was like the third or fourth time I went out there. And just so happens we had not that same first deer come out a little earlier. But then we had two or three come out a little more earlier. And it was still light i mean the sun had set but we still had about 30 minutes of shooting light and i was like oh well maybe one of the coal books will step in earlier since all these other deer are in the field and what do you know out walks he he named him um bad hair day was his name (laughs) (laughs) and it did look like he had a bad hair day but he said to me he said you want to shoot him i said are you serious (laughs) because <laughs> I was not expecting him to let me shoot that ear. I was expecting it to be like a little coal buck. He's like, yeah, he's beating up on all the other bucks. He needs to be taken out of the herd. Um, and I was like, all right, I will.
1: <laughs> Don't tell me twice. <laughs> you do not
2: have to tell me twice. <laughs> so basically, um, I waited for him to turn broadside, which seemed like forever. Dan was sitting there videoing everything it was pretty cool he videoed it through binoculars he put a little sim card in the binoculars and he was able to get a pretty good shot but once he turned broadside shot and the deer ended up running straight towards us oh wow and went underneath the box blind and we didn't really hear him crash or anything um so i wasn't too sure of the shot other than i know i saw him do the death run and i also saw him do a pretty good kick So, I knew I hit him. I just wasn't sure how well. So, I immediately, this is what I do, is I go and I look for blood to make sure it was a decent shot. And they immediately go and look for the deer in the woods. So, I'm (laughs) freaking out that they're messing up my blood trail for this monster buck. I was like, I don't want to not be able to find this deer. Yeah. So I finally find, like, a little bit of blood. With a thirty thirty, I should have thought better. It doesn't really leave a great blood trail for some reason. I don't know if it's the bullet or bullets we're using or what. But the guys ended up finding the deer without even having to blood trail it. So it was pretty cool. He only ran about 80 yards. That's awesome. Yeah. And he had a monster body. It was something like you see in Kentucky, which earlier that year... I killed one in Kentucky which was my biggest buck and now it's not (laughs) so yeah that was an awesome experience
1: sounds like so you killed your two biggest deer in in the same season
2: yes which was awesome
1: that is awesome very
2: cool which is I'm pretty much going out out with a bang this year because I just got a new job so this may be my last year hunting unfortunately
1: oh man yeah sorry to hear that at least for a while for a yeah. while yeah you, you got to get back into it at some point
2: <laughs> definitely
1: <laughs> so so Courtney the last question I'm gonna ask before we before we wrap it up we have we have a lot of people that that uh, listen to this podcast from different uh, areas of experience we have some experience some novice um, in, in many different ways um, if you had I, I know you work like you said uh, you guide with new hunters on on a pretty frequent basis if you had, To give one piece of big advice to a new turkey hunter out there, what would it be?
2: One piece. Um, Don't be afraid of public land It's not what everyone says it is. You can't have a lot of success in public land if you can't find any property yourself or you don't want to pay for property yourself because um, I grew up basically hunting public land, and I've had a lot of success on it.
1: Awesome yeah it's uh, it's definitely uh, something that a lot of especially here in Texas, I don't know what it's like in in Florida, but in Texas public land can get pretty crowded um, believe it or not and but despite that, I, I know a lot of guys that have been very successful out on public land, so very very good piece of advice right there to
2: okay, to- I'm sorry. Sorry, Sam. I have one more piece of advice. <laughs> <Bring> it. <laughs> I it. Can, not I can't just give one. No. Um, so scouting is going to help you a ton. If you can find out where the birds are roosting, where they're traveling, you can easily kill a bird.
1: I can attest to that. Um, cause this year has, has not been very good for me personally, turkey hunting, uh, up till now and, and a part of it, uh, it, it is 100% entirely my fault. And that's that I, i didn't have the opportunity to scout um like i normally would and and that has that has cost me um already this season so um Mm. i i can attest to that from the negative side of that that yes scouting is very important
2: (laughs) yes dang it i'm sorry to hear that
1: well it it happens to all of us so yeah well courtney we very much appreciate uh you coming on the podcast with us um it's, it's been awesome to talk to you about some turkey hunting and, and to hear your experiences and advice. Um, we, we very much appreciate it. Appreciate it. So thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Sam, for having me.
1: Yeah. Guys, thank you all for listening. Um, if you guys have not already, please be sure that you go online and follow Fall Obsession on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel. we got a lot of awesome content on there and be sure that you hit that subscribe and follow button for this podcast. We have a new podcast coming out every single week and if you guys have any questions or topic suggestions, there is also a spot on our website, fallopsession.com slash podcast, where you can send those in. And uh, we will do our best to be sure that we cover them in a future episode. Courtney, thank you very much again for joining us. We appreciate it again. Thank you. And we will talk to you guys next week on another episode. We will catch you guys later. Thank you.